We get to start a new sermon series, Light in the Darkness, our Christmas series, our second Christmas series ever. Uh, how cool is that? I went to uh, college, I went to a Bible, Bible college, the school was called Welch College. Uh, before it was called Free Will Baptist Bible College, and then it changed its name to Welch College. And at Welch College, we were always looking for fun things to do. Um, we always wanted to have fun, and, and it was, sometimes it was very hard to do that. And we just wanted to live a life like a kid again. And so um, there was this library that's on campus. Um, it wasn't a very big library, but we loved that library, not because we were studying, but because it was a great place to play hide-and-seek. And so on the third floor um, is where we would play hide-and-seek. It would be pitch black. You couldn't see anything, and you could barely hear any, any of us up there. And we started having a lot of fun. And what we learned about that place is that we just could not see anything. Like when I say like it was dark, y'all, like it was dark. I mean, it, it even became hard for us to even play hide and seek for the seeker and for the person that was hiding. Um, it was just completely, it was just dark. We couldn't see anything. We would try to find our way. We were, we were looking for places to hide. Uh, we stumbled a lot. We fell a lot. In fact, we had to stop playing up there uh, because someone got hurt. And it made me think of this series of like what it would be like living in the dark. Like it would be hard, right? Like, like let's say that light did not exist, that there was no sun, there are no moon, there are no stars, there is no light to exist. How hard would that be? That would be difficult. We couldn't see anything. We couldn't eat anything. We would be scared of everything. There would be fear that comes our way. Like I think uh, as a kid when, when the lights would shut off, uh, like uh, just for no reason how afraid we get. You know, like it, it brings a lot of fear. It's so dangerous if we're just living in the dark. And we need light. Like we need light for energy. Like we need light to see people. We need light to, uh, to eat. Like we can't cook without light. Like we need light. We have to have light. And so in the same way that we need light, we need Jesus. Y'all, he is the reason why we celebrate Christmas. And it's so awesome that we get to walk through this. And so if you would, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn them uh, to John chapter 1. If you don't own a Bible, listen, that's okay. We give away free Bibles. We have Bibles at the welcome table. You can download uh, the Bible app. The words are going to appear here on the screen. Um, if you uh, own a Bible, don't really know how to navigate through that, that's okay too. There's a table of contents, Old Testament New Testament, and in the New Testament, that is where you're going to find John chapter 1. And so let's go ahead and look at it. Verse 1. In the beginning. So I want to stop there for a second. Um, because that, those three words mean absolutely a lot. So John is writing to this audience that when they would have saw these three words in the beginning, their minds would have went right to Genesis 1, which is, the, um, which is the first book in the Bible. And so when they would have saw in the beginning, they probably would have tried to finish it. God created the heavens and the earth. John is writing this book because he wants people to know 
who Jesus is. He wants people to know that Jesus is God. And so off the bat, he wants them to know that Jesus creates the beginning, that Jesus is before the beginning. So he starts it off with in the beginning. What are those three words? Man, you guys are awake. Let's go. In the beginning. And so he continues with in the beginning was the word. And so when they would have saw this, they would have been like, wait, that's, that's different from Genesis 1. Like, I've memorized Genesis 1, where it says God created the heaven and earth. Like, why does John say, in the beginning was the word? Who is the word? Like, why does the word exist? And then he goes further, and he's like, and the word was with God. And so there might have been even more confusion, because they're like, wait a second. When God created everything, wasn't he alone? Like, who is the word? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. What does that mean? And then he goes further and says, and the word was God. And they might have been confused by this. And then John goes on in verse 2, he says, he was with God in the beginning. Anytime you see something repeated in the Bible in the same passage, it shows how important it is. Like there is significance to that. And so he goes on in verse 3 and he says, through him, through who? Through the word, all things were made. The word made all things. And without him, Nothing was made that has been made. That this word is Jesus and he creates all things. And it says, verse 4, in him was life. The word has life. And the life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So the word is light and the word overcomes the darkness. And so let's break down everything that we know just from the first four verses of who the word is and who this light is. We know that he has always been from eternity to eternity. He's always been and he creates all things. It also says he was face to face with the father, that he had an intimate relationship with him. Two sermon series before we talked about the Holy Spirit and we talked about the Trinity, that there is how many gods are there? One God, that's right, one God who exists in three persons with one conscious, and they have a relationship with one another. They're all equal. And so here we have Jesus, who is the word in this passage, who eternally exists where there is no beginning. He is God, and he creates absolutely everything. It says, through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And Colossians 1.16 confirms that. It says, for in him... All things are created. Jesus, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And not only that, Genesis says he spoke it all into existence. Right? Like he speaks everything to existence and it says it was good. So it shows how powerful this word is, like how much authority that the word is, how much authority that the light has, that he is also structured and he, he plans and he designed everything perfectly. Like, listen, y'all, like there are moments that I could just create things that, that are out of nothing, right? Like uh, we live in Virginia and it doesn't have the best sweet tea in the world like it does in Nashville, where I'm from. And there are moments where I just want to be like sweet tea, and for it to exist, but it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. I don't have that power or that authority to do that. Like in order for me to make sweet tea, what do I have to do? 
have to get something that's already been created, right? I need sugar that's already been created. But you see, God has created all things just by speaking, and he's so powerful. And if there is no God, there is no creation, and then there is no us. So he goes further and says he holds all life, and in his life gives light because he is light. And his light symbolizes that he gives joy, that he gives hope, that he gives peace, that he gives purpose, that this light is holy and he's righteous and he's perfect and he's radiant. And so, number one, I want you to write this down. The light overwhelms the darkness. The light overwhelms the darkness. The darkness symbolizes evil, that it's death, that it leads to destruction. And light overwhelms it. it. It overpowers it. It destroys it. Darkness runs from the light. I mean, anytime you turn a light switch on, what happens to the dark? It goes away. Darkness flees from where there is light. And so we can all agree that this world needs light. That it's so dark. That it's filled with murder and, and rape and thieves, and natural disasters, and death, and sorrow, and pain, and light can overcome that. Light can give you victory over that. Light guides you during dark days in your life. Like, I like to think of a lighthouse that's placed by rocks that helps guide ships to where they need to go. Or I like to think of a car, like at nighttime when you drive. Like, what happens when you don't have your lights on? You can't see anything. Like, it's, it's dark, and Jesus is the light that helps us see, that guides us. And so, are you in a storm today? Are you going through trying times today? Are you going through turmoil today? Is your life going through pain? Like, you need the light of the world. Whatever you are battling in life, we have to run to the light. And, and in fact, the Bible tells me that the light is chasing you. Like the light wants you to follow it. If you run to the dark, it leads to more dark days. But if you run to the light, it leads you to life. So maybe you're here today and you're battling cancer. You want to run to the light. Or maybe you're here today and you're battling addictions. You want to run to the light. Maybe it's marital problems. Run to the light. Maybe it's a disease, run to the light. Maybe it's money problems, run to the light. Maybe it's, it's family drama or abuse or a job loss or an unwanted pregnancy or your life is just a disaster. We have to run to the light who is Jesus that overwhelms the darkness. That we are all going to go through problems. We're all going to have darkness in our life and the light guides us through the darkness. Run to the light. That will you surrender your life to the light? The Bible teaches us that the light becomes a man for us. He becomes a man. That he's still God, but he sets aside some privileges so that he could die for you and me. Like how, how insane is that? That God would set aside, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, would set aside some privileges so that he could I for you, which means he becomes hungry for you. He becomes thirsty for you. He becomes tired for you. 
all of those for you. God did all of that for you. He wants you to have life through receiving the light. And so we need light, not just for physical darkness, but also for spiritual darkness. In Genesis 3, which is the, the first book in the Bible, shows the reason we need light. Like in life, we have chosen darkness at some point in our life. Um, Adam and Eve, uh, which was the first two people created in this world, had chosen darkness for their life, which is just disobedience towards God, and it brought darkness to the entire world. And so after it does that, in Genesis 3.22, it says this, And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And so when Adam and Eve sinned, God says this, that this becomes a huge problem because in a lot of ways, we choose darkness rather than light. We choose darkness over light. So we've stolen, like if you've stolen before, you've said, I want darkness more than I do light. If you've lied, you've said the same thing. If, if we're not treating our neighbors well, if we've sinned in the eyes of God, we've done that. We've become blind. Our vision has become blurry. We've become selfish. We want what's best for us. And then we find out, number two, I want you to write this down. The light is merciful and just. He's merciful and just. Even through all this that I'm telling you that we just live in darkness, he becomes merciful and just. And he goes on in Genesis 3 and he says, he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So when I saw that, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what God was saying there. I was, I was confused by that. So let me say, like, when they sinned, they had this opportunity to be able to live forever. And God goes, he must not be allowed to reach out his hand to do that and take also from that tree or else he would live forever. So what that means, if they would have done that, they would have lived forever a life full of hate. Do y'all get that? Like they would have lived a life forever full of sin and full of hate and full of evil, full of darkness. You have Jesus so merciful stopping them from being able to do something like that. Like the light would not allow that. He's merciful and, he, and we don't even deserve that. But he's also just that we had perfection and we had unity and we had light and we had life. In verse 23, he says he does this. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken, which means this, because of our sin, because of our darkness, it's created separation from the Father, that it creates death for us, that we deserve death, that we're deserving of God's wrath, and we can't do anything to ever be united with God again. Like there's nothing that we could ever do to be united with perfection and with life and with light. And every other religion would tell you something like that. And this is actually one way that you can find out if, if, if it's a man-made religion. If they say to you, you have to do this to be saved. That you have to do this kind of work to be saved. That you have to do this kind of work to be in good graces. That you have to do a certain work in order for you to be saved. The Bible doesn't teach that you cannot 
earn forgiveness for your life, that there's nothing that you could ever do to be in good graces with the Father. I mean, you think in a court of law, if you commit a crime, you're punished for that crime. There's nothing good that you could do to get out of that crime. In parenting, when your child does something wrong, right? Like they get in trouble for that. There's nothing that they can do to get out of that. So why would God say that you have to do a work to be saved? It's not true. And so because of our darkness, we have to pay for our crime. And the payment is death. We're deserving of death, spiritually death, physically death. We deserve death because of our disobedience. We are going to die. And it's because God is a just God, which we want that. Like, we want to serve a God that's just. We don't, want to, we don't want people to go unpunished for their sin, right? Like, we don't want people to go unpunished for murder. Like, we don't want people to go unpunished for rape. We don't want people to go unpunished for racial in, injustice. Like, we fight for those things. He is a just God, and that's the reason why he became man for us. Like, that's the reason why he came here. That he came to take on the sins of the world. God being light comes to overcome the darkness. And that's the Christmas story. That we get a gift that we don't deserve. That he is perfect and, and holy and true and righteous and pure and radiant and light. And he lives perfectly. He lives perfectly on this earth. That he can't be hypocritical. He can't break no laws. That he has no need to repent. That God sacrifices himself he's the only person that could ever do that that our wrath that we deserve is placed on him that's his mercy so that means there's no more isolation that there's no more separation that there's no need for a priest that you can go directly to god yourself second corinthians 5 21 says this god made him who had no sin to be sin how crazy is that? That's, that it, it, our wrath that we deserve is placed on him so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And the crazy thing that gets me is that God knew this from the beginning. Like how insane is that? That even in the beginning, God knew that we were going to choose darkness. That in the beginning, God knew that we were going to sin against him, that we were going to be hateful to him. And so he knew that he was going to become a man for you and for me. That he knew that he would have to be a baby for you and me, that he knew that he would have to be on the cross for you and me. He knew that he was going to have to take your wrath even before you were created. He knew all those things. He knew that he would have to sacrifice his life you and so the question would become this how do we become light in the world like how do we become that number three or, or john 8 12 says this when jesus spoke again to the people he said i am the light of the world and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. Number three, we must follow the light. We must follow the light. 
is that Jesus wants to guide you no matter what you've done in your life. Do you get that? No matter what you've done in your life, that he still wants to guide you. Like he even offers his salvation to the worst people in this world. He desires for you to follow the light in the way the wise men follow the star. Like he doesn't even ask you to get your life right before coming to know him. Like he just wants you to follow him. He says that if you follow him, he is going to give you a new life. And that your life will begin to look radiant. And that will begin to start drawing people to yourselves to follow him too. In our vision, we say we want to make intentional disciple makers. Like, that's what we want to do. That's what an intentional disciple maker looks like, that we are radiant, that we are drawing people to ourselves, and they're beginning to follow us as we are following Christ, that we're raising up leaders even today in our church. God wants you to follow him. He's asked all of us to lead people that way. So ask yourself today, who do you follow? What is it that you follow? Do you follow the light of the world? Are you obeying his commands? Are you serving? Are you loving people? Are you checking on your neighbors? Are you a light that's radiant, that's drawing people to your life? Who have you surrendered your life to? 1 Peter 2.9 says this. But you are a chosen people. This is what God wants for you. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into wonderful light. That's what God wants for you. He doesn't want you to live in darkness anymore, but he wants you to live in his light that's pure and that's perfect. And that's holy, and that's why he came to the world. And we don't want darkness. That if you're a Christian today, if you're a believer, if you have a relationship with Christ, you no longer want to live in darkness. That you want to turn from those things. And begin to start walking towards Jesus who is light. We desire to be in the light always. And maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. And you say to yourself, man, I have not been following Christ. I haven't been living in the light. That my life has been full of darkness. That I've been living in storms. I've been chasing things that don't really give me life. I want you to know this. The light of the world came to give you life. And he wants life for you and for the entire world. Let's pray. God, we're so thankful for you. As we get to open up this series of of being a light in darkness, that you first was a light to come into this world that's full of darkness. That you didn't have to do that, nor are we deserving of that. But you freely gave yourself 
You freely sacrificed yourself so that we can be redeemed, that we can be reconciled back to you, that you don't even want us to live in darkness any longer because we can't see in the dark. We're blind in the dark. We don't know where we're going in the dark. God, you illuminate. You're so radiant. And you want to show us our purpose so that we can be fulfilled. And God, so my prayer is for the Bridge Church to be a light in the community. That you showed us how to be the light. That you surrounded yourself with people that didn't look like you. Someone so perfect, yet full of humility to be able to surround himself with people that didn't look like him. Because God, we know that you are perfect. You are perfect. But yet there were sinners. There are women that had multiple husbands around them. There are liars surrounding you, thieves, murderers. And that you draw them to you. God, help us to be able to shine like that. Because you've asked us to connect people to you. And so that means we become a light that we're so radiant that even people that don't know you will be drawn to us so that they could know you. And so, Lord, this week, challenge us. Challenge us to be more like you. That we worship God. That we take time out our day to worship you. And that we love people. And we invite people to know you. So that they can have freedom in their lives. Or they won't be held down. Help them to walk like that. Help us to walk like that. If there are people in the the room that's not saved, and maybe they've been, they've been living a life that's just not desiring, not pleasing, that's leaving you empty, not really fulfilled, there's no true hope or joy or satisfaction that comes in that. You got to know that the light is chasing you, that Jesus wants you. And so maybe you're asking, how do I give my life to Christ? What does that look like? Romans 10 9 says is that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead you can be saved it's that simple it's that you're surrendering your life to him and so maybe you're in this room and you want to do that and you're just looking for the words to say you just repeat after me. In church, I, I want to do something different today. That we would all together repeat the words that I say. That it would help 
uh, people that don't have a relationship with Christ to be able to say those words out loud. That if their neighbor is saying them too. And so you would just repeat after me and say, I'm a sinner. I'm fallen. And God, I need you. I believe that you died on the cross for me. That you resurrected from the grave. So that I can have life. And I here and now invite you to be the king of my heart. And the king of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.